It is time to tune up the band and stick your middle fingers up whilst being a very cute Japanese pop idol, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our wacky journey through the world of professional wrestling. And boy, what a wacky one it is going to be this week. Afternoon, oh, Jack. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> oh, this is going to be absolutely fascinating. Hello, everyone. Hey, up. Oh, lovely to hear from you, chaps, again. How have you been this week? Ah, the week's been good. Uh, I am currently slightly groggy today due to vaccination, but I am ready for today. So let's listen. You're getting getting 5G ready. Myself and Sam are 5G ready already. It's just like that sign at that uh, one AEW show that guy had. Keep wrestling alive. Get vaccinated. Yes. Damn right. Damn right. We are firm believers of vaccination. Facts about Vax. Here at the Sweet Chinwag, get vaccinated. Yes, please do. And suddenly we've just lost a core fan group in Drake Younger fans. Um... (laughs) Ah, yeah. All of those people that were listening to us beyond us talking about (laughs) talking about women's wrestling empowerment, LGBT rights. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, We're we're talking to that core demographic. We're, we're really hitting them where we're, we're really hitting them where we want them, and the, the vaccinations were just too much after everything else. Yeah, we're starting spicy today, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. And when you are getting vaccinated, also remember to always always be pending i would like to see if there is ever a picture of one of our fans who have bought one of the bought the forever pending t-shirt to take a picture of them getting vaccinated with a thumbs up whilst wearing the dead now forever pending t-shirt <laughs> hey, hey if, if they want to do that, that please let us know and if yeah. not uh, get a friend and try and recreate that image as close as you can without actually hurting yourself thank you <laughs> exactly Exactly. <laughs> oh, so before we get on to this week's episode, all about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, God, I am so excited to talk about this. It is time to talk about Hawk. Oh, why a week in wrestling? Talking about SummerSlam, we have Takeover. Yeah, we've got a bit. We've got a bit to catch up on, <laughs> and a lot of AEW goings on as we talk and visit with Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. <laughs> I see you're getting into the into the Joshi spirit there, Dan. Yes, I, I, see you I there. am. Yes. Uh, so we have got a lot to cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because of how last how last episode fell, <laughs> and recording days. Uh, so let days. let's just let's just jump straight into SummerSlam and. I mean, let let share thoughts. I feel like we're all very much on the same page, which is kind of that there were there were good bits to SummerSlam. Yes, but man, <laughs> compared to what had come, the show that had come before it, God severely is. lacking. Oh, it yeah. really was. Ha- talk about mediocre. <laughs> Um, I know it's like I know you know you know I, I know it's the cliche thing for wrestling podcasts to always rag on events and think oh it was absolutely shit I never watched WWE again la 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 but guys 
guy, Vince. Man, you really, really did not do a good job this time this year. Because you've got to think about it like this, right? Traditionally, SummerSlam is also WWE's second biggest event. Yeah. Yeah. And they really went out of their way to to make this a big deal, especially because they now were that you could now return to full capacity at events. They really wanted to make this a big kind of WrestleMania esque event, and it showed. Yeah. I think with the amount oh, of yeah. cutaways and and promos during this event, which just it, it it bordered on ridiculous at times, just how many there were. Yeah, it's this was one. This is probably one of the most important ones to get right. Oh, yeah. And they just... I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, I, I guess we could get started by the first match, which was RK Bro versus AJ Styles and Omos. Yeah. For the Raw Tag mm. Time. It was a match, and RK Bro won. <laughs> it happened. I'd say, look, a fair play to where Faye plays Jew. I think I've actually kind of enjoyed AJ and Omos, their partnership. I've really have kind of enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. Especially some of the backstage stuff and the WWE.com exclusive things that AJ and Omos do. I've really enjoyed. My most favourite one being like, oh, my back hurts, Omos. Do you want to go and get Chipotle? Yeah, I'm good for Chipotle. Let's go and get Chipotle. <laughs> Huge pop for Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, it's, ah, it's again, it opening match. Okay, fine. And then the next match. Oh boy. Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie with Dewdrop in her corner. And, oh man. Oh man. This was, this wasn't good. And I and I know and again I know it's the cliche thing to rag on Eva Marie, but you would have thought that if she was going to come back, maybe you know brush up on your wrestling skills here and there a little bit more. If you're going to make some ring ring appearances, I I hate to say she's basically the same as she was when she left. It it mm. it left a lot lacking, especially if you do consider, you know, kind of the the improvement that Alexa Bliss had made previously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um I guess also for myself being in reflection of the fact that Dewdrop open brackets Piper, Piper Niven. Niven close brackets uh as it was also like party to the match but not involved. You know, you've got a really really solid wrestler in there. Yeah. I hope this being, means we get to being, see Piper being issued for for Eva Marie, and I know that sounds like I'm bragging on Eva Marie, but <clears throat> honestly, if it were me, I would have been like, why don't you just make Eva Marie the greatest heel manager you could possibly have? Like, I think that's the motive, though. That's the thing. Yeah, it just I think that's the reliable motive because mm. it's not like they haven't done it with other people. Because now, like. You know they've got stuff going. They've got stuff going on. Um, kind of like what they initially did with Reggie. Uh, they didn't need to do it with Rick Boogs, but like you know, it helps. <laughs> Sorry, I feel I I believe the right term to pronounce that is Rick Boogs. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Oh. Um, but yeah, it 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 just it just left a 
bad reflection it did. in the mirror. Oh, and there's the whole... I, I don't know. Personally, myself, I think the whole Lily Spooky thing Lily. is... There's a bit... I, 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 I've never really... Never really liked it myself. But... Because no, not because it isn't creepy. Because it did have that. It had massive potential to be creepy. Because always people know like a great, like a very easy horror aesthetic to have is creepy dolls. But it just yeah. didn't. I don't know. It just never. It hasn't seemed to land quite the way I think they wanted it to. I think the problem is, uh, and you can attribute this to a lot of uh, WWE's creative process, which is that it was meant to be scary but played for entertainment. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there we go. Which are not two things that you kind of like. It, it, it's an odd thing to try and describe by saying horror movies are entertainment, but you play horror as horror and not as this is scary. But you're kind of supposed to engage with it like that. Yeah, I think a lot of people lost a lot of goodwill as well when we realised that Lily was the one to vanquish Shayna Baszler. We haven't seen you Shayna know, since. It, that that whole thing of the doll winking <laughs> was oh, just like... Not the doll winking, no. I was just like, what am I even seeing? <laughs> uh, some, and, some... and like I said, you all know how ridiculous I like my wrestling to be. Oh, yeah. Like, same. <laughs> what is, uh, like, um... I think it was last week I watched from uh, I watched from DDT's event where they had the Lego death match. Yes. <laughs> I love um, that match. <laughs> yeah, that was like last week or two weeks ago, which was uh, which was a whole bunch of fun. Um and you know, and all of like the Firefly Funhouse and all of that. But so we, like this not, yeah. was just like it just felt I don't know what it is. Something about it just felt like it it both wasn't focused and it wasn't kind of it wasn't really allowed to be its own thing, but also mm. it had too much time where it was its own thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's it's oh just again it's another it's another it's another reason as to why <laughs> ah, I get so upset with bloody with WWE's creative. And man, um, is it a shame because there's a whole lot worse to get into. Because oh man, yeah. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say this now. We're not gonna cover this, or we're not gonna be able to cover this comprehensively. Um, in the time frame of this new segment. Yes. Yes. So, I guess I'll say it here now, and people can probably hold us to it. But sometime soon, maybe in another month or so, uh, we're probably going to do a separate thing talking about the whole range of representative issues mm -hmm. that both wrestling and wwe as its own like microcosm has <laughs> yes yeah because um, man i've got a lot i've got a lot i want to say about that so what i'm going to do for this one is i'm going to kind of kind of pack this closely just to women's wrestling mm. and i'm going to say I think one of the biggest things holding back WWE's women's division is that they, you know, they rely on two people. Yeah. And it's that thing of when that person's back and when the time and when the time roughly strikes, it's going straight back. 
It's that old adage that's been around since Vince really took over the company from his dad in the 80s. There always has to be one person at the top and no one else. It was Hogan in the 80s. It was, dare, I, dare you say, Austin in the late 90s. It was Triple H in the 2000s. Uh, John Cena soon after that. And now it's and now it's you could dare say it's the same for Roman and Roman Reigns and now Becky. Yeah, because like because like here's one thing, and I know people say like oh, but it was like a big return and whatever. And like I said, there was a whole litany of issues, and I have tried my best through social media to really amplify um, black voices about this, mm. which is the, which is the inherent matter of a well-meaning all-american african-american baby face being beaten in short order by by a returning white wrestler mm. which is a big conversation to have and it needs to be said yeah uh to to quote to quote simon miller from what culture she got the kofi treatment yeah she absolutely did yeah she really did um but it's like um a couple months back when the rumors around becky's return were kind of starting to circulate a little bit there was a thing going around that um women in wwe were saying like we're waiting for becky to come back so that the booking can improve which is a terrifying terrifying thought. it's the thing that like, you having you as a wrestler are being told you know, I feel like you have to wait for someone else to even get an opportunity. I tell you, that must make you feel so crap as a pro wrestler yeah. to be told. Like, like you, the, yeah. the, like the you literally have worse. nothing for us in the back on TV week after week. It's like, like, like the thing. The thing that really makes it worse, though, is that wrestling as a business has a very unique place mm. in which companies have to kind. Companies tell us who we should like. <laughs> and so basically it seems like the company just being like, no, we don't care about them. No one else cares about them. So we're just not going to do anything. Like it, it, it feels like it's willfully ignoring all the stuff, like um, the story looking to build up Liv Morgan. Yeah. And that was get that was getting a lot of traction. You know, it puts, it puts aside people like Shayna Baszler. And there's just all these great women who are just being stuck on the sidelines that can't really do anything. <clears throat> and you you kind of think like, you know, I say to people like it does the it sets the thing of the why should I care? Yeah, because people aren't confused. being given a, a reason to. If if you know, I say to people, please do engage with women's wrestling. There's a lot of great stuff there. There's loads of great talents. Yeah. But if you're not given a reason to engage, yeah, they're not. They like we know that there is plenty of stuff to engage in. I don't know if I don't know if the people running the show do know that. Yeah. Waiting for waiting for one person who like real talk like like Becky Lynch is a mother. She might have, she might have not come back. Straight up, she might mm, have not yeah. come back. She might have delayed it even longer. And from the sounds of things, she actually came back slightly early. Like, that's a terrible, terrible, like, 
like I don't I don't get like wait for one person to come back and then maybe it's a maybe let's be frank here mm. maybe we'll have decent like airtime what uh, women's evolution everybody oh god that's the power of letting them gain in calling it the evolution and not keeping it as the revolution but no, but then it goes, then it goes on to the separate thing. We look at Raw, and then the title's back with Charlotte Flair. And yes, Charlotte is a very good wrestler. We're not going to deny that. No. The thing I'm upset about with Charlotte, the whole Charlotte thing, is I can't understand why the the creative behind having to fast forward Charlotte Flair potentially equaling her father's title reigns with Rick, it was. It was a case of that 16 reigns was over the course of three decades. Yeah, Rick Flair had year long title reigns. Yeah, Rick Flair had year long title reigns in that time. Like, he was the man. And it just, I feel like this, the, this start stop fast forwarding of trying to equal that number for Charlotte is really hampering her more mm. than I think they would care to admit. <laughs> Well, I think part of it is it's ham- it is hampering her to a degree. It's certainly hampering people who are following the Royal Women's Division. Yeah. Because you're kind of looking at it, and like I said to other people, it's like, okay, <laughs> Raw, women's main event, name people that have been in it. And it's basically all people can say is Charlotte, Oscar, Rhea. And then I guess Nikki, ASH, recently. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I I I hate to admit it. I can't think of anyone else. Like, the, the, again, I mean, even still, you know, the the women's roster on Raw isn't exactly, you know, brimming with people. <laughs> but like, even still, again, I say it's that thing of you need to get people engaged. You need to get people thinking because. <laughs> Yes, Charlotte's the queen. She has all these title reigns. <clears throat> but I, I feel like they very much see it in this sense. I get, I'm going to, again, it's not necessarily a weird comparison, but <clears throat> I think about it a lot like how elements of the NWA with Nick Aldis. Yeah. <clears throat> He's been champion for so long, and the problem is they've, people have just kind of hovered around him. Mm. So any defeat becomes like an upset and any, but no one ever seems credible. Unless your name's Tim Storm. <laughs> yeah. And so like the, the thing is, I look at now and I look at Raw and I say, the credible person to, the credible person to beat Charlotte is Oscar. Yes. But she's not in the title picture. Which, again, which is like... So... <laughs> how? Like... They they set up for... They set up for Rhea. Cool. Rhea could absolutely hold that title. Absolutely. Mm. Honestly, with Nikki, I know people give the gimmick a lot of crap and they don't like it. But you know what? It is what it is. It's got creativity behind it. And you know they were try, and it seemed like she was trying to do something that was genuinely engaging. Yeah. 
But she's a baby face. Mm. And they had her win a triple threat in the most heel way possible. <laughs> <laughs> and frankly, as much as I wish to believe this would be the case, I don't think WWE is running a comic book anti-hero style story. Alas. Alas, there is no Marvel <laughs> Max <laughs> sub-label here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. So, that was Raw Underground, personally, but now. Yeah. So, you know, that, like, that's... That's really the the problem that I have about this, and you know, I mean, like, again, let's let's not take a, a too much away from WWE. I have to say, Edge versus Rollins was basically everything I wanted it to be. Oh, he Edge looks absolutely like rabid. <laughs> that man really wants to just wrestle until until he can't wrestle anymore. Oh, he looks utterly he looked utterly just hyped as hell. Gotta give it to the guy. They did put out. They did put on the match of the night, and uh, yeah, damn, yeah. you could. Uh, I, 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 I'll say it. I for the nostalgia pop. God damn it, bringing back the brood entrance. Damn you, <laughs> so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> um, damn you. But no, like also as well. Also as well, Damian Priest put on a good showing on pay per view. Yes, I'm so glad they went with the decision to give him the US title. Um, <clears throat> again, like. You know the the usual good solid work from Sheamus. Rain Cena as well was a pretty good main event to cap off the night with a big moment of Brock Lesnar returning. I was going to say, that. are we feel not going to talk about? Feel. Are we not going to talk about how Bobby Lashley assaulted a fourteen-year-old boy? <laughs> I mean, he does what he wants, isn't he? He could he couldn't have known who it was. <laughs> At least he, had, be... he was looking after himself. Mm. Yes, yes. But I, I, was, uh, I think it was it wasn't it Goldberg that was screaming, "I'm going to get you." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, um, but, no. but also as well, like um, it does point to another issue in WWE, which is their absolute love of trying to destroy tag teams. They. <laughs> Because I swear, I think WWE is trying to push for this Im- this tag team implosion between Ray and Dominic. Which, I'll say, fair play to Ray, he's outright refusing for it to happen. And I yeah, I don't that. blame him. I really yeah. don't. Because I'll be honest, everybody, who in their right mind really wants to see a rivalry between Ray and Dominic? Because no. I think they work, tremen- they work tremendously well with one another. And Dominic, to be quite honest, Dominic, I think, feels like, you know, he'd rather stick with his dad, from from what I see. Anyway, it looks like he really wants to stick with his dad. I remember the Chris Van Vliet interview that he wants to kind of honour his dad's legacy by, you know, inheriting the mask and becoming Prince Mysterio. Yeah. It's what I said to my friend. For someone that's so indebted to Lucha... Just copy Lucha. <laughs> Just have it be the son following in the father's footsteps. Give them a big, give them a title win if you want to make it the tag titles at Mania, or have it so that Ray's there for when Dominic wins, like I don't know, the IC mm. at Mania. Have the moment. Have that be like. Then have that be the thing for Ray to be like. You know what? Hanging up the boots. Dominic takes over the mask. Bang. Perfect. 
But, you know, this is WWE, so every tag team's got to split I, up. I just don't get this thing of doing a tag team implosion. They're family. Yeah. But that's, even, that's, even, that's even better, because maybe, yeah. just maybe they'll bring up the whole thing of that you're not my dad. Because <laughs> remember, in kayfabe, he's still, he's still not his dad. See, all I, see, all I want is Rey Mysterio. To just kind of, is to is to bas- it basically be Omni Man versus Invincible as Rey Mysterio ter- Rey Mysterio finally turns heel for the for the first and only time just six one nines Dominic into a bloody pole. Basically, you just want to, you just want to have that screen that still Rey Mysterio pointing at his head, don't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Gets a bloody absolutely. <laughs> Rey and Mysterio voiced by J.K. Simmons. No. <laughs> I want Angie to come back with the kendo stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but oh yeah, talking of right as we get in as uh, moving from there into the main event, Brock Lesnar's Viking gimmick. What do you think? What I mean, he he was is he from Minnesota? Minnesota, so pure Viking. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fitting. Is that why? Is that why? I don't know. I mean, if he goes, I'll tell you this much: if he jazzes up his ring gear, I'm not saying to get rid of the whole MMA uh, gear, but to jazz it up to make it more in fit in tune with it, I wouldn't mind seeing a bearded, uh, top knotted Brock Lesnar absolutely whipping butt. I will say, if he if he comes back, I like the 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 best thing would be Brock Lesnar returning and becoming the new leader of the War Raiders. That would be hype as hell. <laughs> <laughs> ginormous pop for that only on the condition that if, if, if anyone's seen that youtube video of when he was uh butchering stuff he comes out yes. with a half cow on his shoulder as well <laughs> 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 Viking that's why i want to see book it fits for survivor series <laughs> team viking versus team uh, team head of the te- team acknowledge me there you go in, in in my head I thought you were going to say Brock Lesnar versus half a cow half a cow I was like that's going to be a very one sided match <laughs> book it Vince <laughs> uh, but uh, oh no uh, again SummerSlam eh, that's all I got should we, really should we move on to TakeOver yes please yeah so TakeOver was a uh, a very good event to spite WWE's face. <laughs> yes. In what indeed was probably be is the final curtain call for Triple H's NXT. They, As they uh, kept calling it the end of an era, and we will get to that logo change in a moment. I because uh, I'm probably just gonna I'm probably just gonna i I'm probably just gonna try and bring these all together because we have not got a whole lot of time. Yes. Um I quite enjoyed um, this one. But no, there there were a lot of really good matches uh, throughout this show. Really, um, I mean, let's start off with Volta versus Dragonov. We think we we basically knew it was going to be good, and it was fantastic match. There is a reason when I was watching this, there was, I thought to myself, there is a reason why we did a whole episode dedicated to this rivalry, and it's because yeah. these two, when they when they face each other, they bring out the absolute best in one another and boy, uh, did they do it murder. 
<laughs> yeah, it's yes. just two. It's two guys that I'm not even entirely personally sure that they know that wrestling is meant to be a work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always assumed that every time Walter and Dragunov are fighting, they are actively trying to kill each other. I think one of them owes the other money. <laughs> yes, like, like it, like it is wrestling in the sense that they do sequences but they're like now nah, we're, we're getting all this in for real <laughs> um and respectfully respectfully i would let i would let volta get his shit in <laughs> yes without question <laughs> i know this match was great um dependent on whether or not you think it supersedes their october 2020 match kind of here or there whether or not um you could, I I, say, I, I would say they're about the same. Yeah. I mean, they're they're about the same, but then to say when you've had two pretty much five-star matches, you know, when when most of the debate is how far above five stars do you go, (laughs) you're kind of working at a very good level. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. My hope really for this is... um, is that Dragonov is now seen uh, in a much to a much more casual fan base as the as the great wrestler that you know most people mm-hmm. that have loved the German scene or the European scene know he is. Um, I thought it was a very very good finish, one that surprised the heck out of mm. me. Tapping out Volta with a with a rear naked choke, yeah, and not just like he he eventually tapped out. He got it in, and Volta, like within seconds, started immediately tapping out. Just like it was, it was really, it was really good though because he'd applied mm. it. Volta had tried to fight out, came off back on again, and then just going, always going back to it. Oh, just, just again, and Volta, like with- <laughs> it's again, it's Volta realizing, oh, oh, this is a shoot fight. Yeah, no, I'm tapping. I'm doing this. <laughs> and again, like with all of these matches they have had, Dragunov comes out looking like he's just been at a war. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his chest looking like ground beef. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh no, great, great match. Um, honestly, these the three matches <laughs> that ended this were really good, but it's like, again, I felt like it was like Hogan Rock at WrestleMania 18. That match mm. really tired out the crowd at uh, at the Capital Wrestling Center. Yeah, because mm. like the thing, because like the thing was is that obviously Colby O'Reilly was again really really good work. Mm. Although uh, as I as I said to uh, my friends, I was like, honestly though, <laughs> Final Battle 2016 kind of did everything it needed to exactly, mm. and in about two minutes less. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to goodness, this I felt this one was the greatest hits compilation of their rivalry in general. It it did it did everything it needed to. While I thought the finish was weird, it really I was. Kinda liked, I kind of like it was weird, but I kind of liked it. Mm. It could have been it could have been better though. It kind of felt like a weird thing of like. Uh, you, know, you were what it's like you're watching a film on like five thousand percent to then like normal <laughs> speed to then like five thousand percent again yeah <laughs> but uh I, I mean i don't know how you guys felt about this uh, mm-hmm. assuming that you've all seen it yeah 
Um, honestly, the only match I wasn't. I mean, I, I mean, again, I'm saying this like uh, it's kind of nitpicking, really. I wasn't as huge a fan of the Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez match, and I'm kind of annoyed at that for myself. Same, same, because I really I don't know. It that... felt a little bit underwhelming. I wanted that match to be more than than it than we got because I think of because the 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 the, the storyline that was there, the history. Mm. The fact that I think everyone and their mums wants to see Dakota Kai as NXT Women's Champion. Yeah. It just, it was, it did under deliver and it was a shame. It was, a, it I was, I don't a know. I don't, I, I couldn't tell, I couldn't, wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what it was that made me feel like that. But mm. it did feel, it did feel like it came a little bit short, but there were some really cool moments in that match. It was oh, yeah. really, really great work. Um, and then, I mean, I have a lot of love for Karrion Cross versus Samoa Joe, just because it fits into the canon of Samoa Joe's, oh, fuck this dude up match. <laughs> we may never get a Samoa Joe in Bloodsport 7, but this is probably as close as we could possibly get to Joe in that. <laughs> if you ask, well, WWE's yeah. version of of, uh, of Bloodsport. I, I like Because like, like, like I said... Uh, my views on Karrion Cross, notwithstanding, <laughs> both as a wrestler and as a person. <laughs> Again, of course, the irony of him wearing a mask at Monday Night Raw is 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 not beyond me. It's not lost. It's not lost on me. Um, but I just I just loved the pre-match thing. I just like I'm fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He just comes into the match. He's just like I was just like <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, how we have Samoa missed Joe. you, Samoa Joe. How we have missed you. Ah, uh, Samoa Joe, always, always just going, I'm going to break some people and get paid for it. <laughs> oh, nah, uh, there were times where he was throwing chops and he genuinely looked like he was enjoying it. <laughs> yes. Yes. The only nitpick I have on this one, and it, and I honestly, I've, it is the nittiest of nitpicks, and I think one that I think a lot of people can easily observe about Joe. Um, he he's been gone a while, and you could definitely see Joe was a little bit gassed part of the way through the match. Oh yeah, um, yeah. but again, that I mean, comes with being away from the ring for so long. Yeah, I mean, Joe is allowed. He still did good job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he was still he was he was still firing. There were a few like kind of janky moments where it was like carrying cross had to like take much longer than he should have needed to get up just yeah. to accommodate. But like to be fair, I don't really think that's too I don't think that's too much of an issue. And for what they were doing in terms of time scale, it you know, it kind of worked. Mm. Yeah. Like there was like one moment where at the end of the match where he was going for the corner or an argue where he had to kind of take a moment to set himself because he was probably a bit gassed. Yeah. But like, uh I feel like that's that's a small. It's a relatively small thing, and the match still kind of worked. So yeah. But there you go, your new NXT champion, uh, Samoa Joe, first three-time champion. Crazy. And then as we came into uh, NXT this week, had a whole section of all the different challenges coming. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly is still trying. <laughs> uh, Samoa Joseph. Uh, you you could have just gone for Joey Samoe like everyone else. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes, he could have, but he just. But I, lo- he didn't I, lo- want I love to. you, Kyle. I still think one of the greatest moments Kyle ever had in a promo was taking the mick out of Pete Dunn's accent. <laughs> Shouldn't you be in hospital visiting your mate Bobby? But come on, dude, Joey Samoe. <laughs> or was it? Or was it like uh, that, that meme I showed you of WWE 2K? It had Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe doing the Usos entrance, and it's Samoa Joe and Samoan Joe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, we had a continuation on the. I don't even know exactly what it is right now. The storyline around Mandy Rose building like her own team or stable. It's the kind of akin to the Robert Stone brand, the Mandy Rose brand. <laughs> the the Mandy Rose mine, maybe. Maybe we all really <laughs> Rose she's Mine. A shoot, she's she's a shoot fighter. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy Rose's Rose is- blood sport. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Malcolm Bivens versus Mandy Rose in the main event. Book it, Trips. In all for, uh, that's unfair though, because Malcolm Bivens is eight foot six. Yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, speaking of Malcolm Bivens, it was only like a short thirty-second promo, and it was basically nothing. But it was Malcolm Bivens, so I loved it. Yes. It was, it, it was Announcing just... Roderick Strong's open challenge for next week's NXT. There you go, Mandy Rose. <laughs> yeah, I, I i tell people right like if if you need at least one tiny reason to watch nxt malcolm bivens yeah absolutely if you want to go back and like i mean kind of it did it, it, to be fair it kind of cursed at this point to even go back for it but if you want to go back and want some reason to watch evolve go just do it for stokely hathaway who is malcolm bivens so good I will never stop singing Malcolm Bivens' praises, ever. Or just follow him on Twitter, he's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> um, but then uh, a lot of other stuff was just kind of... odd kind of bit part quick matches. Mm. So you had the tag match between uh, Casey and Casey uh-huh. against uh, Gigi Dolan and Jane. Uh, Kaylee Ray getting her first kind of match just in NXT, pretty much a quick squash, get people to know who she is if they don't already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, longest reigning NXT UK Women's Champion, by the way. Shows such shows how good a job they do at promoting it. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. I was there and I said the whole thing about that ever since it was won, um, the NXT UK title hasn't changed hands in the UK. <laughs> Wow. Oh, which yeah, sounds it really stupid. hasn't, has it? That sounds stupid as It well. hasn't been a title change in the UK. And I know the thing is, right, is that the people in NXT UK probably see the title being on a US takeover as being bigger. Yeah. <laughs> which is really an indictment on your brand. <laughs> <laughs> but as 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 that one guy decided to tell me, yes, the NXT UK women's title has with Mako Satomura recently. But the men's title, ever since it was won, has not been won in the UK. Wow. Um, there was a quick match between uh, Boa and uh, the debuting Zion Quinn. I saw this guy and I thought, I know who that guy is. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to rack my brain as to who it was. Turns out, he used to be an Aussie rugby league player. There we go. <laughs> 
And I was, right. I was like, I know who that is. And it's like, why do I know who that is? <laughs> oh, that's why. I guess they're going right into the mandate of now of what they're doing is they're not looking at the indies anymore. They're looking at other sports. Yeah. Uh, speaking um, of new things, may I talk about that logo that Wale revealed? Let's talk about the new logo then. Mm. I, I, all I'll say is this, right? Good Lord, does it really look like they're marketing to towards a more kid-friendly show? It really, it really, it really has that Nickelodeon gun. I was going to say, I've seen about sixty people say either Nickelodeon or Art Attack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you imagine first NXT? All you hear the lights go down, and all you hear is. This is an art attack. This is an art attack, and Neil Buchanan comes out. Real talk. Someone, someone, get that gimmick so their finisher can be called the art attack. <laughs> it's just a variation of the of the Heart Foundation's heart attack. Yes, it is. It's exactly the same move. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I <clears throat> I don't know. I also feel that they've re- that they that they 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 borrowed quite a bit from the paint splatter effect of of the original AEW Dynamite. Well, yeah. So that's another thing that people had. I guess the thing for me is it feels it feels like they're going to the exact opposite of what Triple H's branding was. <laughs> yeah, because like Triple H's branding was like independent drawn from his love of metal music and like underground subcultures to then this basically <laughs> which now. was straight from like nickelodeon um you know <laughs> bright colors and stuff like that what's the guarantee that nxt will no longer have shows at download festival but instead will be at coachella festival see but that's exactly the kind of thing i expect them to do though exactly Exactly. Yeah. See now, all I need, all I need is them to to have their to have their um pay per views at Burning Man. Now that would be something to see. <laughs> no, no, that would be some NXT shit. Yes. yes. NXT would would do an event at Burning Man. Absolutely. Mm. This what this brand of N- this brand of NXT looks at wireless and goes, "Well, that looks a little bit scary for us." <laughs> <laughs> oh man I but all my UK people know what I mean with that <laughs> yes yes we do um I don't know how to feel about it to be quite honest at this moment uh I don't know how to feel about it um Pro- props to Wale though, much... for getting the theme song though I props to Wale for getting that I mean props to him for that although I do have to I as I mentioned in my tweet I really do have to recognize the irony in using the line keep true to yourself on a rebrand <laughs> i feel like that's a that's a very almost egregious level <laughs> to, to have a, to have a track which has keep true to yourself when you're discussing a rebrand <laughs> and i'm sure everyone involved in the production was in well Everyone in the production was completely oblivious to it, other than Wale. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So, what what are we thinking, lads? What 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 do you think? What are, are you keeping your excitement down for Nick Khan's NXT? 
I mean, I think, I think honestly, for a lot of people, like when they were on the last takeover, they were like, "It's the end of an era." So I've already kind of come to accept it. Mm. But just to say, look, this is just going to be different, and it's not going to be the thing that I fell in love with. But we will wait with yeah. bated breath. All I says, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath to see what it's like. <laughs> I know one person in particular is going to be very happy that there is going to be a bigger percentage of big meaty men slapping me. Am I right, IQ? Am I right? <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, um, it, it's been such... I mean, this all really makes me realise that it's been such an interesting, weird year for wrestling so far. And we've only got yep. four months left, so it'll be interesting to see how weirder it gets. It is going to be interesting to see where the hell we even end up. Yeah. Um, but we'll give you a quick run-through for Raw and SmackDown. Basically, it's one big thing from Raw. Miz and Morrison have split again <laughs> for the first time since about like 2008. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, the only thing I'm holding out for is a John Morrison singles run. I want the return of Johnny Mundo. Yes. I probably won't get it, <laughs> but you know what? I can dream. <laughs> dream in dream. I, yeah. I, I, I am choosing to dream and have a little bit of faith, but not so much that if it goes wrong, I'm actually invested. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Uh, yeah, it's called being an Arsenal fan. Oh! Wasn't uh, going to say nothing. Wasn't going to say a word. That's an attack at myself, by the way. <laughs> this is self-deprecation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there uh, we go. Moving over to SmackDown, um, pretty much a, a fairly good continuation to Edge versus Rollins. Mm-hmm. Um, more pretty much fine and solid work from Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Um, and then we had uh, Sammy getting a win. Uh, the women's number one contenders match, uh, which was won by Bianca Belair. Rightly so. And then, I mean, yeah, it it it, it it's the correct choice. It yeah. wasn't really going to be anyone else. It makes sense. They're going to have. They're probably going to have you know the babyface Belair back on the chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the setup for Finn versus Roman, which I assume will be at Extreme Rules. Maybe. I mean, which I believe is then. Oh wait, no, no. The next pay per view is Saudi. Oh gosh. Oh, All right, add, add, add that to the list that needs to come up in the conversation again. I forgot about doing a tweet about that. Yeah, we will have a conversation about Saudi when the time comes. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah. we might just have to do an entire uh, separate record just to talk about WWE and wrestling social responsibility issues. Patreon exclusive over at patreon.com forward slash sweet anyway. <laughs> oh no, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad about doing a thing discussing representation and putting it behind a paywall. <laughs> no, I'm de- no, definitely not doing out, that. Please. <laughs> definitely not doing that. <laughs> Uh, let's quickly oh, just jump over to AEW. Great opening match between Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy yeah. uh, having a little bit of an incident and bleeding a lot from the nose. <laughs> but may I just say, Swanton with the hands in the pockets. Oh my god! Intergalactic source. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Unreal levels of source. <laughs> uh, 
obviously from Dynamite, uh, the Lucha Brothers progressing to the uh, tag tournament final. Which uh, is the one I know we all wanted, really, but we all thought that Jurassic Express would have gone to, to the finals, of uh, would have uh, would have won that. But to see yeah. the Lucha Brothers get it, yeah, come on, Luke, come on, Lucha uh, Brothers. If the Lucha... I can't, if the loot if the Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks, I'm, I'll put them in my top three. <laughs> Honest to goodness, it might be my match of the year if the Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks. <laughs> God, I want the Lucha Brothers to beat the Young Bucks so badly because I am obsessed with Pentagon Junior. <laughs> Just yes. rightly so, though. <laughs> rightly so. As as some people have taken to pointing out, I love the fact that Pentagon got the Joker gear, and it's like I'm getting my money's worth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's like, I am going to wear this beyond the pay-per-view because I paid for this. Yeah. Do you have any idea how boss this is? I'm we- I-, I imagine he's just wearing that in the shower. Just like, like- I, like, I res- I'm just there and I'm like, I respect that. You paid the money for the gear. Bring it out on Dynamite. Yeah, like week say, in, week out. Say, even though I'm making that sweet AEW money, I'm just letting you people know, this ain't coming away anytime soon. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, did um, you see that um, post-Rampage uh, sequence between Christian Punk and Frankie Kazarian? Yes. I loved that. It warmed my heart. It it really, really did. Seeing two guys who were seemingly out of the wrestling business uh, to finally both being in a ring and just absolutely seeming like looking like they're loving every single second of it is... It, it warms your heart. It warms your heart. Oh, yeah. by the way, I we have to credit Stephen Amell once more because Stephen yep. Amell was the reason why Punk uh, regained his passion and love for wrestling. Can you believe that, like, a brief cameo set off this massive chain of events in wrestling? <laughs> God damn it. Stephen Amell, stop being too perfect. <laughs> like, 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 if Renee hadn't have done that, like, one thing, yeah, we wouldn't be here. Even Amel really is the the greatest celebrity wrestler. Because then, because then that, because because Renee making the appearance in Green Arrow, yeah, led yep. to him doing the match at I think it was Battlegrounds, SummerSlam, SummerSlam with Neville, which then got him into wrestling. Then he appeared all out, uh, all in. Which then led to the creation of AEW. <laughs> then that, which course, then led to the return of CM Punk. <laughs> it's just again, as you said, Reardon. I think wow. Stephen Amell is the greatest celebrity wrestler of all time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Dennis Rodman has finally been dethroned. <laughs> <laughs> um, continuing on though with AEW, um, while it wasn't the, well, it wasn't the best match you know to have on it it is really good to see uh jamie hater back in AEW and performing yeah uh huge pop for david hater voice of solid snake on twitter um referencing her love that oh i i i I cannot describe how how much i loved that so if jamie hater starts doing mgs spots she will become my favorite women's wrestler of all time this is not a drill (laughs) Um, uh, a really nice little kind of six man tag match with uh, Moxie and Kingston Uh, 
really cool uh, segment between Christian and Don Callis that I really liked calling on their history. <laughs> uh, Colton Gunn still has the best record in AEW. Which is insane. Um, and then uh, Malachi Black committed murder. On Brock Anderson, yes. Yes. He also... Uh, I don't. I don't care. This. I. I swear to God, Excalibur did not do a slip of the tongue. He killed the Anderson factory when he kicked on right in the balls. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, he. 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 He put some mustard behind that kick to the balls. Uh, and I just want to give a. I mean, it's it's established how much we love him here. I want to give a shout out to Eddie Kingston. Just anyway. But also for being the most New York person to ever New York. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> as I said to you guys, and as I sent the video, he was doing promo to tell people in India to watch AEW, and he shouted out his borough and neighborhood in New York. <laughs> also, the only man who I've ever seen to actually pull off a, a an exploder suplex whilst wearing Timberlands. <laughs> He did an exploder in Tim's. <laughs> Dude is so New York. Seriously, so please. I, I I don't care if it's all out or if they have a rematch at homecoming at the Arthur Ashe sta uh, Stadium. Please, Eddie Kingston needs to win the TNT Championship I, for I Miro. Need, I know. I need that Eddie Kingston win in New York. Yeah. Oh, I God. need it at Arthur Ashe. Like, not... I, b I believe Arthrash is in Queens. Yeah. Dude, I I need that. As I said to my friend, I don't care if in that match they literally just make it Eddie Kingston comes out in Tim's, boots Miro in the face while wearing Tim's and pins him. That can be an acceptable finish. Yes. Ah. <laughs> oh. No, it would be it would be great to see. Uh, talking of, I just AEW, love it, man. You're you're doing a promo for a foreign country. I you shout know. out your postcode. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, the final thing I want to talk about very quickly uh, with AEW because I know we are we are going way over time here. Um, yeah. Daniel Bryan is looking set to be debuting at All Out. Holy crap! Holy oh crap. shit! <laughs> All I'm saying is right with the investment that AEW has put into its younger talent. <clears throat> And the actual physical prospect that we may get, Daniel Bryan, potentially, as some people have been saying, in the G1, making a guest appearance or appearing during G1 week. The fact that we can have Daniel Bryan versus Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty, and Wheeler Utah. Oh, 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 oh. oh, God. And, I mean... It's really just the prospect of anyone else that he might want to have a match with. Yeah. In AEW. Salivating at the thought. And <laughs> and like even if it's just that he's there primarily as a trainer, you know, the amount of time that those people are gonna be able to get out of this and you know, the amount of advice and information, <clears throat> it's gonna be so, so beneficial if they do have it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. We will look and we will find out in September. 
I, 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 I genuinely, sincerely hope, even if he does go to AEW, I sincerely hope he gets a, a, another time to go back to Japan. Yes. Yeah. Because he made that sound like that was something he really, really wanted. And I know, again, we are running pretty close on time, but I do just want to also give a shout out and a kind of a, a short bit of recommendations. Jake Atlas is appearing at um, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Yeah. Super happy about that. Love to see it. Um, and then uh, Ryan Nemeth's uh short film heel uh has been entered for oscar selection which is i've heard nothing but good things about <clears> it so i look forward to trying to see where i can find that and watch it yeah it's a roughly 10 minute short film uh about his time facing backlash from other wrestlers for talking out for speaking out about sexual abuse in wrestling mm. it's an very pertinent film. and a very, very pertinent yeah um but yeah, are we done with the news then, Dan? Yeah, we are done with the news now. Awesome. Reardon, have you got any quick recommendations for the corner this week? Quick recommendations for the corner. Um, You know what? I'm going to recommend Chang-Chi because that's coming up. That's coming up. It's going to be interesting, guys. I have yeah. stopped. I haven't watched. Like, this is the first year where I've just basically not been watching any kind of trailers for a lot of stuff or at least i watched the first trailer that's out and then i just stop shang chi looks pretty neat we will see how it goes indeed indeed all righty then with that it is time to get on to our main part of this episode it is our guide to tokyo joshi pro wrestling so here's basically going to be an hour or so of me and dan uh, b- bigging up TJPW to read and why he should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna. I'm gonna just go over a quick little retrospective. Also gonna uh, tell people where to start, what wrestlers you should, you should look out for, and what matches you should go and watch right now, this instant. So let us start with a little history on TJPW. Let's go all the way back to 2012, June the 4th to be exact. Tokyo Joshi Pro was announced by DDT Pro Wrestling, which we already have done a guide on, and I will still say that you should highly recommend you should go and watch if you're into just not only really good wrestling, but just the city side of pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> go watch some DDT. Uh, set to be run by former... Uh, Neo Japan Ladies Pro Wrestling promoter and booker Tetsuya Kodo and wrestler Nozomi. This promotion was established in late 2012 and uh, then soon after they uh, established themselves began to run a recruitment process for wrestlers. Now, I don't know if this is exactly 100% uh, factually correct, but I believe the first four wrestlers that were recruited for Tokyo Joshi Pro were Miyu Yamashita, Shoko Nakajima, Kana, and Chikage Kiba. Now, I believe that, uh, I believe that uh, most of the training was uh, uh, for these uh, for these four was handled by Nozomi herself, with a little help yep. from Mikami from DDT. Mm-hmm. Um, but shortly after, actually, I believe in November, uh, Nozomi left DDT and thus left, I believe, to- uh, TJ uh, TJPW around mm-hmm. that but they were i think it was it was weird how this happened because i believe on the same november day nozomi left they introduced the trainees to the pu- public in a press conference 
But here's a fun that's, fact. That's one interesting way to go about it. But here's a really fun fact uh, that I just found out recently. That they were told, the trainees, that were required to follow three rules. And that was no drinking, no smoking, and no boyfriends. Yeah, that's, that, that's the... Uh... For, for those that aren't really party to it, that's pretty much standard in uh, idol idol culture or the idol business. Yes, because uh, uh, I know I know for uh, for K-pop bands, that's like a very big thing. Yes. So like K-pop artists being in relationships that aren't like approved by the label is like a big scandal thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really, it's odd. It's an odd size, yeah. definitely to that, to that world. Um, but as we'll go on, uh, the, the, the relationship between TJPW and uh, and pop idols uh, is very intertwined with one another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Tokyo uh, TJPW's debut show took place at January thirtieth, twenty thirteen, at the Hakihabara Twin Box in Tokyo, and it featured just two matches on the card: a Sambo ex- ex- exhibition match between Cheney uh, Kiba and DDT referee and former Sambo competitor Daisuke Kiso and a singles match between Miyu Yamashita and Kana. Now, the show didn't use a wrestling uh, ring, and instead all of the matches took place on training mats, uh, similar to how yeah. Ice Ribbon uh, were in the earlys, and I believe Gato Move as well. Uh, well, as you say, Gato Move and, I mean, I guess Choco Pro by extension only do that. Mm. I was going to say, um, yeah, Choco Pro is just nothing but training mats. Oh, and, yeah, and it's CM just Pulse a room with, it's, it's, just a, it's just a room with training mats in it. <laughs> Which I still can't get over that that, that image uh, of in 2020 at a Choco Pro event. And all, all you can see is CM Pulse in the background grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so along with these wrestling matches, the debut show also featured live music from Idols. Yes. And this is kind of how they started out TJPW, where in the beginning uh, of their shows was usually kind of chock full of Japanese idol acts doing their um, dance yes. and song So numbers. basically you'd get to the start of the show and then to open up like the show, they would have an idol group perform. And then they would kind of then as they kind of got bigger and bigger, they'd have more happen they basically have like a concert before the actual wrestling starts. <laughs> and this is where we started to see a lot more of the idol acts actually getting involved in wrestling <laughs> by being in multi-women tag matches. <laughs> the question I have matches. now is how the hell do you convince idols to start doing wrestling? I mean, I don't know for sure. I guess for parts of it is that <clears throat> I mean I'm guessing that wrestling as like a cultural thing in Japan mm. is like it does have a big realm of support. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just, if like the people behind them were like it's a, it's a business opportunity. Mm. Yeah. I I could definitely imagine that for sure. Um and fun fact as well about this, the first few shows that they put on were actually uh, free admission. Um, not only as a way to introduce themselves to bigger audiences, but to also kind of just, you know, get their name out there. Um, yeah, no, I can, I can get, I can get behind that. I, I understand that. It's, it's a difficult thing to do at the start, but they had backing, so exactly. Uh, I think their first paid show was actually uh, April twenty sixth, twenty fourteen. 
actually. So it was quite a few years they had, or a couple of years, I should say, that they had say two, two, shows. Well, roughly uh, a year and a couple months of doing shows for free. Yeah. And it was around this time as well in 2014, in late 2014, they began including more matches. So it was rather than two to three, it was more like four to five. And they finally began using a ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, was... as well, to be fair, like we say this, this was like 20, we're saying like 2012. So DDT was still gaining quite a lot of currency over, over in the West, or at least yeah. in the US. And they were having lots of their people appear and lots of people appearing over there from the American independent scene, so... Yes, absolutely. I believe Candice LeRae actually did make an appearance here and there for uh, TJPW yeah. as, well, yeah. as well, so... Um, but yes, um, it wasn't actually until 2015 that they put on a full show without an idol performance to start off with. I believe it was... Uh, yeah, first uh, when they first appeared at Shinjuku Face in February 2015. At that show, um, it confirmed they confirmed that Aishimuzu... And Saki Aki, Akai, sorry, um, yeah. I believe who were idol performers, they confirmed that they would be competing mm-hmm. for the promotion regularly. And, uh, and that I believe it was at that show that they debuted more and more trainees for the promotion. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to stop here. With when, we more... get, when we get to slightly later and Ridden hears me talk about Saki Akai, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to enjoy this. <laughs> oh, you're going to really, oh. really enjoy this. So I will stop here a little bit in the retrospective because this is where they started to get more and more uh, popular. Uh, you started to put on more shows. They started to have joint cards with DDT Pro. And it all kind of, I would say, it all culminated in what we now know as the modern incarnation of TJPW. So... Where when I say I I don't know if it will be different for you Dan but for where to start if you are just coming into TJPW honestly for me the best way to start with TJPW is to check their YouTube channel or DDT Pro's channel as they frequently post full matches there on their channels but for what yeah. year you should start out <clears throat> honestly they have been on a role since last year so i'd strongly recommend honestly starting with tjpw with the last year's worth of work they've put in so yeah in terms of places to start um i mean yeah the the uh the youtube channel and everything like that is probably the best is probably the best place Mm. um but one of the good things about TJPW is that they did get quite a bit of, of traction beforehand. So they do have quite a bit of a presence in you know, like more Western outlets talking about Joshi. Yeah. Maybe not as much as, say, Stardom or um, Ice Ribbon, per se. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that 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 would be a good place to start. And there is a whole world of um, <clears throat> like social media stuff as well. Um, <clears throat> there's someone as well. I believe they're called Dramatic DDT. Yes, uh, who have their own like fully retained blog talking about basically anything that goes through DDT, uh, which is great and is still very regularly updated. A, a fantastic resource <clears throat> if you're looking to just look at stuff that uh, that the DDT Pro Universe that um that are part if of you're seeing where to start in terms of matches, 
it it's kind of hard to say really i would say basically since last year has been some of their best work there are some good matches back towards maybe 2018 as well talking of which would you like to know uh dan and reardon um via cage match which is their highest rated match i think i know this you're gonna love this so their highest rated match uh for tjpw is a match in 2018 with hyper misal versus jun kasai so this is something this is something i was gonna get to later (laughs) (laughs) I, i i'm genuinely i've got a thing i'm gonna talk about later so um what i was gonna say was Honestly, one of a very good starting point for looking at TJPW is to actually just go back and watch DDT events. Yes. Because <laughs> it kind of informs a lot of how TJPW is run and the kind of stuff that they do. Um, but also, they often had, you know, even while uh, TJPW was kind of in its more early stages. Mm-hmm. Some of the people, for example, like Saki Akai, were working for DDT before going over. Hmm. Um, so I feel like that is quite a good place. To, that is uh, quite a good place to start. You could also start maybe looking at um, some, you know, some like 2014, 15 stardom as well. Mm-hmm. But it sounds odd when I say, where's the best place to look at starting this thing and say, don't look in the company. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like getting, getting, uh, you know, get, getting a feel for kind of how things are and how things go with TJPW. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cause I, I was gonna say, when you said that, when you said that match, I think it's one of those things on cage match where like the, the match below it has like more people ranked it. Yeah. But it's yeah. lower. <laughs> uh, the next match after that actually is Mizuki versus Yuka Zaka- uh, Sakazaki, which is a, yes. uh, which is a great match, by the way. It is it's a fantastic match. But the more you look through cage match, the more you realise that like, their top twenty five is very preoccupied by matches that have happened over the last year, and yeah. uh, I feel that is a that is a testament to how good TJPW have not only improved but have <coughs> thrived in the past twelve months. Yeah, um, no, like I said, as I said um, to many people, they've been firing on, on all cylinders since, well, really, really the start of 2020. Yeah. Um, and the the quality of work that they're putting out is always improving. They've got some of the most enjoyable kind of character wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a, a really solid set out for the future compared to even some other more established Joshi promotions. Yeah. Um, mm. And they really do strike uh, a, a really fine balance. And as I've said to other people, <clears throat> the thing with TJPW is that there, there kind of isn't anything else like it. No, not at all. I, I honestly think that's one of the best qualities of TJPW. Mm. Uh, is that it is so wholly different from anything we've experienced, and in and especially with Joshi wrestling, it's so yeah. different from anything I've I've ever seen with Joshi wrestling, uh, and that's so, why so I enjoy for, it so much. For, for Reardon, 
let's let's I'm gonna do a little breakdown of Joshi and Princess Joshi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been hearing it's... about this Princess Joshi. So Literally. let me let me try and break this down for you. I should say Princess Joshi isn't really like a it's not really like a defined an actual term. <laughs> it's it's kind of just an easy way of categorizing it. But basically Joshi short for Joshi Purisu just basically refers to any women's wrestling in Japan. Yes. Is is the easiest way of saying it. Princess Joshi is this kind of section of Joshi wrestling, which has developed from the involvement of idols into wrestling and taking elements of idol culture and the idol business and putting that in wrestling. <laughs> right. So lots of the talent may have originally started as idols, uh, whether or not that's, for example, like... Um, like straight up idol members that became wrestlers, for example, like Maki Ito, or um, who were at one point in, you know, trying to join idol groups, but then weren't taken on or didn't pass graduation. Um, to things like that, hmm. but also just elements of the presentation, the kind of characters that they play, uh, the kind of rules around them. And so I said, so like, TJPW is probably the biggest one. Ice Ribbon also do it to an extent. Um, another company that's very popular with doing it now is AWG Act Rest Girls, which kind of goes even further than TJPW does. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> Where basically all of their talent are, I believe, actual idols in actual idol groups or are actors. <laughs> okay. Um... But whereas, like, for the most part, Joshi, in a more traditional sense, is, like, yeah, it still has all the pageantry and everything that, like, a lot of Japanese wrestling does. Mm. Um, it's very much more kind of straightforward. Yeah. Yes, you have big characters. Yes, you have big, out big outfits and everything like that. But Princess Joshi is, like, the kind of it has kind of very similar pageantry to like American wrestling, I would say. Okay, but just mixed with so much more anime than you could possibly believe. Yeah, that's a I lot. Mean, and and also things like um, some wrestlers will sing and perform their own themes and do a dance routine in the ring before their match and stuff like that. Which is why we got right. the most iconic image of Maki Ito. <laughs> Finishing her song and dance routine whilst everyone in, in, the, uh, yeah. in the match was beating each other up. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds amazing. So, my. Uh, I gotta get my shit in, brother. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I'm over to this next part. What wrestlers should you look out for? I've got a list of a few people here. And oh, I'm gonna I've leave got, the one I've that got... we love at the start, for the end, I should say. We're gonna leave the one yes. that we all love at the end. But, man, I want to start, Dan, with Miyu Yamashita. Yeah, so, I mean, Miyu Yamashita is... Well, she's, she's the current ace of TJPW. Yes. Okay. Um, 
And the easiest way to describe Miyu Yamashita is that honestly, in comparison of what TJPW is, she's very kind of, or her presentation kind of lends towards the opposite. <laughs> yes, she does do she does do big pageantry, but like <clears throat> for the most part, her appearance is pretty straight laced, and she's a big old striker. Oh yeah, she. <laughs> She, she uh, we, a... we should we should we should say um her one of her finishers which is a spinning heel kick uh is co-signed by alistair black oh fuck she, oh, uh, no. she has she has the co-sign oh no uh, oh no all of this and her and she got uh she had uh the nickname she earned the nickname the pink striker that's and amazing. I feel a very a very a very apropotic name as well cause... i mean i i just i just love her cropped leather jacket with the so it's a cropped white leather jacket with um studs on on the shoulders yeah i love it it's great um but she genuinely has been putting in such great work over i mean over the last over the last year uh from when she did win uh remember right the The princess Princess, the princess princess title yeah um and she she's done absolutely great stuff with that, and basically just had quality match after quality match. Yeah, she's. So. I feel like she's half the reason why I I I truly believe that TJPW is probably up there as my promotion of the year at the moment. She's been putting on absolute barnstormer of matches this year, and I'll talk about one of them in particular when we get to the matches you should watch. Yeah. But <clears throat> man, she has been so good this year. But it also comes down to the person to, to to also have a good opponent to face. And man, Yuka Sakazaki is such a good opponent for her. So to describe Yuka Sakazaki, she's basically like a human ball of sugar. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> uh, she's just super high energy, super friendly. Everyone loves her and she just dances around the ring before her matches uh yelling ay 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 yes okay she does some she she's <clears throat> a real innovator and a real like i she does some high flying moves that i i've seldom rarely seen from other people oh, i remember the incredibly cursed spot she did in AEW yes. on that episode of dark Yes. But yeah, but- we should we should say she is currently on excursion uh, with AEW right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, she's made a couple appearances on Dark. I believe she was on one edition of Dynamite, but I think that was back in like 2019. Uh, yeah, it would have been. I believe she uh, faced Penelope Ford. I believe in that match. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but no, like. Um, she she is great and i mean when it comes to wrestling it she's about as organic a baby face as you can get really yeah she is like <clears throat> oh my goodness like i'm talking like in terms of popularity i would dare say she's probably the nick gage of tjpw <laughs> that's a very weird mental image but i it's she you know she she's very popular with tjpw's fan base which i mean we're talking in the context we are talking very much in the context of japan here yeah uh 
I mean, it is worth saying, actually, for, for what it is, TJPW does have quite a strong female following. Or oh, absolutely. A strong following of women. Um, but for a lot of the fans in Japan, she's kind of like the the popular hero. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that she, her ring gear really does remind me a lot of Aladdin as well. Yeah. I feel just like it, it, it wins my heart just a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of people that win my heart quite a bit, Shoko Nakajima is another person I absolutely mm-hmm. love in TJPW. <laughs> so, Reardon, for context, uh, Shoko Nakajima, a four foot ten wolf girl. That's basically ah. all you need to know. No, <laughs> no, she is. Oh, she is so good. Again, one of those people that are that are just so amazingly talented she's had some really really good matches and not just in tjpw but also in cmll in ddt i think she even made an appearance in jakara of all places as well to be fair though jakara is one of those places where there's ju- they just had the most random matches yeah yeah but uh <laughs> she oh she had a really good match in 2019 at yes wonderland against miyu yamashita for the Princess mm-hmm. and Princess Championship. Go out of your way to watch that. Amazing match. Amazing match. Uh, but also, may I add, that most of these people I will be talking about as well have won, at one point, the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Championship, like everyone Again, else Again, that's just, that's just DDT, though. If there's a person, they've probably held it. There's a this statistical is... chance that one of us has held it. <laughs> And that statistical chance isn't zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, let's talk about the Princess Tag Team Champions. May San Michel and Saki Sama. Oh. Let's talk about Saki Sama. Oh, Dad, go on, the floor okay. is yours. Because I know you have much you want to talk, talk about. <laughs> I'll talk about Saki Sama. So, to describe... Well, first off, we should say uh, Saki Sama, uh, one of the longest tenured TJPW wrestlers. Uh, basically her gimmick is that she is a really rich countess from France right Uh, and she has May Saint-Michel uh, who is her personal maid who accompanies her to the ring and they make up the tag team come unit uh, Neo Bishkigun who are the current uh, princess tag team champions uh, there's one. There's just one interesting bit about Saki Sama, though, uh, which I think people forget. <laughs> one, she's been wrestling for quite a while, since about 2011. Okay. Uh, but second of all, uh, her dad was a professional boxer, and she was trained in kickboxing. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, yes. dear. So you have this lovely image of these really nicely dressed um really fancily dressed women coming to the ring with like these like kind of uh frilly dress outfits and then she gets in the ring and slaps someone's face off (laughs) basically she's a shoot fighter lolita reardon that's a horrifying <laughs> but also another aspect of it is, is that Saki Samar is one of the tallest wrestlers on their yeah. roster oh, at God. five foot nine. Oh shit! Five foot nine? Oh yeah. damn! 
Yeah, so she doesn't even have to struggle to do roundhouse kicks around these around the other competitors. That is um, mm, that's that's choice. Right <laughs> oh no, one of my favourite, one of my favourite tag teams, and actually Sakusama is probably one of my favourite competitors in TJPW. But no, but also also um, with with uh, Miss and Michelle. Um, her being paired with Saki Samar has been fantastic. Oh, it's, it really, really, really great learning opportunity. And genuinely, uh, May is making her way through the ranks and building a really big profile, even internationally. And the thing is that it's really a testament to the importance of how, or how important online culture is now. Yeah. Because so much of May's profile has literally been built just through gifts from like Choco Pro and then stuff that she does in TJPW. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason that she was uh, announced as a participant in the Japanese bracket for the AEW yep. Women's Championship oh, yeah. Tournament. Um, yeah, she's so good. I mean, the, the when put the when put together, that's just a tag team that is just like, oh my. God god i didn't know i wanted it but now i do and it's the most amazing thing in the world <laughs> yeah. um, um, i want to make a shout out to uh to yuki kamifuku because i may have a slight crush on her <laughs> there you go i said it i'm looking respectfully <laughs> yes but she is uh she, she she's she is really good as well and has an amazing tag team with the one person that we will talk about here uh, just... uh we will but um former international princess champion yeah uh she lost it this year to another person that will almost definitely be mentioned <laughs> um but no she she's uh generally pretty great a, a lot of people do actually kind of rate her lower down although i don't necessarily think that's fair mm. um but i mean again a uh, solid worker has a has a lot of great stuff i if you're talking just like purely on how to market someone she's not a bad person to use as the face of a company indeed mm. indeed <laughs> uh but man mm. We couldn't talk about TJPW without talking about Mackie fucking Ito. <laughs> okay. Pretty much the, I, I guess if you want to say it like if you want to say it in that way, like the person that is attached to that is attached to TJPW at this point. Ah, oh, so where do we start? Maki Ito, former pop idol, uh, formerly of the group LNQ, um, ended up doing, I believe, a couple of uh, shows with TJPW before <laughs> actually becoming uh, a wrestler or wrestling on the shows. And it just ended up being that after, unfortunately, uh, the, the lineup of LNQ was rearranged and, uh, and uh, Ito was one of those people that were cut from the group. She ended up wrestling for a little bit here and there, and then suddenly she ended up in TJPW wrestling more frequently. And here mm. we are. Here we are with Maki Ito being one of the most popular acts in Japanese wrestling at the moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What can I say? Again, it's just... Basically, what to, what what you what happens when you take a Japanese pop idol and put them in a wrestling ring? 
and then they just so happen to be absolutely deranged. <laughs> That's Maggie Eats up If like genuinely, I show you this because like one of the things that often is a thing about idols is they're not allowed to like swear mm. as well. That makes sense, yeah, because there's a lot of um. Because it's all about because it's all about like image. company image and everything like that. Yeah. Um. So like, when I told you that one of the things that genuinely got her over was that she would just put stuff on Twitter that is just like, "Hello, fuckers." <laughs> Everyone was just like, "Yes." Yeah, that would do it. That would do it, wouldn't it? <laughs> Which is why, as well, the middle finger is her go-to uh, finger gesture in the ring as well. Move over, Steve Austin. There's a new person <laughs> in turn, and her name's Makita. <laughs> but oh, honestly, I feel... Right, um, a lot of people, and I think uh, even herself would probably admit, not when starting out, she wasn't as, as fluid as she could possibly be just starting out. But I feel, as, as this year has gone on, she has improved so much over the course of a couple of years i mean obviously in context of the entire time that she's been wrestling she's come on huge in such a short amount of time yes Mm. um but honestly like again talking about that difference between the start of 2020 and where we are now Mm. it's amazing to see how well people have responded to her and how she's become such a big name Around the world, really. Yeah. I mean, I'll give a lot of credit where credit's due to a couple of people that really went to bat for her, but Chris Brooks especially really yeah. went to bat for her, and I can't help but love the guy even more for that. Well, the, I mean, the the, the biggest one uh, to me was uh, Mizuki. Yeah. Who was kind of her first big-name match in TJPW. Yeah. And, like... It's kind of hard to create a comparison of, of what of what that equates to, <laughs> <clears throat> but like I guess the I guess the easiest thing I would say is like, <clears throat> you know, if you had like a lower mid card wrestler and then an upper card and then like you know like a main event, so it's like I want to work a program with you <laughs> because I I think you've got it. Yeah. Like, Mizuki put a lot of belief in someone that a lot of people were like, well, she's still pretty green. She's not really there yet. She hasn't really got a lot of the ring stuff down. Yeah, okay, she's got the character, but, like, her ring work is a little bit loose. So her put, her deciding to put the, you know, the, a the drive in. behind that. Yeah. Which he, because again at that time Mizuki was almost kind of challenging the position of Ace. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, <clears throat> no, it's just it's it's a really nice thing to see as well. It's just a really cool thing uh, to see as well. I mean, fu- the match that she had with Thunder Rosa as well in 2019 mm-hmm. um, at the uh, at the uh, January 4th show that they put on at Kuraku and Hall just before. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom takes place. Uh, fun fact: I only realised until very recently the Korakuen Hall is literally right next door to the Tokyo Dome. Yes, 
<laughs> but no, that match put her on the map as well. And of course, then we get to AEW. And honestly, just again, she just absolutely... I'm so glad they brought her in for the for the short time that they did. Uh, I love... Honestly, the, the names that they put in that Japanese bracket pretty much couldn't have been much better. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they, they really hit it out of the park. But... I want to move on to someone different, right? Because I know what Reardon, I know what Reardon likes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think this I'm is going be, with this. This is interesting. This is really interesting. Because if there's one thing I know about Reardon, mm-hmm. you like comic books, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> let me introduce you to TJPW's own superhero wrestler, Hyper Missal. <laughs> Hyper Nassau, go on. <laughs> Hyper Nassau is basically the wrestling representation of every loving, good comic book superhero. <laughs> oh, yes. And then some, Reardon. Right. Okay, okay. Go on, go on, go on. I'm listening, I'm listening. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, there is a reason why TJPW's highest rated match is Hyper Missile versus Jun Kasai. Because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a match so ridiculous, but put on with such heart, especially with someone as so over as Hyper Missile is, <clears throat> that you can't help but just love the match. <clears throat> Genuinely, <clears throat> one of the things about her is she is just full of energy and everything comes through that very like superhero lens and like she has her superhero poses and everything nice so she's fully embraced the idol philosophy of having your signature move or dance move by making it a signature pose yeah (laughs) as you do as you do Oh, but no, Hyper Vassal has to be up there with one of my favourites in TJPW she works she has her matches and does her work in the ring to help protect love and peace in TJPW. Don't you just excellent, excellent, no notes, perfection. <laughs> I mean, we we should we should also we should also say she she has had her her versions. We did have Doc Masao yes, for a bit. Yes, we did. <laughs> Uh, and then we also had her run uh, with uh, Sakisama in Neobishkigun. Yes. As well. Where she unmasked. She revealed herself to the world. <laughs> she had the really cool half-face samurai mask, which was fucking great. That was a really good look, though. Yeah, I can't lie about that one. But she is back now in form, putting in amazing work as usual. <laughs> So just quickly before we do go on to go on to these matches, I just want to name two more people who are really cool that I think you might like. Uh, the first one uh, is uh, Rika Tatsumi. Ah yes, uh, she's a dragon. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> hang on, hang on, no, 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 hang on. What do you mean that's it? <laughs> no, that's, no, literally, um, that's she's it. a dragon. Literally, that oh. is it. I. <laughs> that's all you're getting uh, and then also one of my personal favorites um she's not like she's currently kind of in more of the the mid card but there's a lot of people that are behind her i'm 
very much behind her and want to see her go to bigger things. But uh, Marika, K- Marika Kabashi, yes, who is great, uh, and she was in that uh, six woman tag at Cyber Fight Fest uh, this year, uh, which was absolutely amazing. Um, and then just another few quick names, some of their recent um, talent that, that joined up, but um, Pom Harajuku and Suzumi. Yes. Who are both kind of in the lower card right now, but I think that they have a fairly high ceiling to, to look towards. Absolutely. Great. Action. Anyway, matches. <laughs> oh, yeah, matches. Let's, so let's get into matches that uh, we should we should definitely recommend to Riordan and to the casual person who has no idea about TJPW. Okay. First match I want to recommend oh, is uh, Maki Ito versus uh, Shoto Nakajima from the most recent Tokyo Princess Cup. It was the final match, and boy, what a match for Maki Ito to have as well. She mm-hmm. really uh, she really put on a bloody good performance. The performance of her career, I think, as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Great match. Both of them worked really well together, uh, and I won't spoil the ending of it because it's a very nice, heartfelt ending to, to, to that match. So, no, go out of your way to watch that as uh, however you can. Go out of your way to Makes watch me- it. <laughs> Makes me feel bad because I was gonna, I was gonna recommend the match that came after that. Well, that as well. That is that one. That was a really good match as well. Can't cannot deny that. There's is a really really. I if you want an idea of what one of the stories is, is that Maki Ito has always failed to beat Mizuki. Yeah. So this match was kind of the com, you know, the kind of culmination of that that's been running for almost three years at this point. Mm. Um. Do you have another match you want to recommend? Oh, yeah. Um, I know we're probably both going to talk about it quite a bit, but can we talk about uh, Cyber Fight 2021? Uh, y- Yamashita versus Sakazaki for the title. Yes, we can. What a match. Seriously. Probably my favourite match from Cyber Fight. And that's, Two you know, people firing in full force. And that's, yeah, and that's me saying Keiji Muto doing a moonsault off the top rope for the first time in several years. <laughs> this was better than that moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously one part of it that made it such a huge moment was that TJPW was, m- you know, main eventing on equal footing. Yeah. On Cyber Fights, big, on their big event. Which, which was obviously amazing to see, but I'm so happy it gave them that platform. And obviously, you know, obviously part of the context around this is Sakazaki then going on excursion afterwards. Yeah. But even still, like the two of them put in an absolutely amazing match. I think the, I think the springboard 450 that Sakazaki does in that match, these is so damn smooth, it puts AJ Styles one to shame. It's close, to be honest, you know. Because the way her balance on the top rope is unlike, it's better than Taker's during old school as well. Jesus. But not as good as Elix Skipper when he did the new school off the top of the cage, because I don't think anyone no, has but that's, balance as Elix Skipper. That's just built different, though. Yeah, that's, that's Elix Skipper. That's Elix Skipper. There we go. Uh, what matches do you have to recommend to Reardon, Dan? So I've got a kind of mix of matches. Mm. Um, so I've got some which people often say are like the best TJPW matches, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then ones that pe- and then ones that are kind of personal favorites. Mm. So of those of those best matches, I've seen a lot of people saying that Maki Ito versus Mizuki from the Tokyo Princess Cup final, yeah, <clears throat> uh, is up there. Um, 
as well as uh, Miyu Yamashita versus uh, Rika Tatsumi from May of this year. Yeah. Uh, which is, a again, a fantastic match. Um, if you want to look a little bit further back, um, a person that was with TJPW before but is more of a freelancer now, I believe she's mostly doing stuff with Gambari Pro, which is TJPW's sister company through Cyberfight. Uh, but... Um, Mizuki versus Yu Manase from uh, July 2019. Yes. Um, it was one that people often hold to be a great match. And uh, honestly, Yu Manase is a, a very good wrestler that um, has quite a surprisingly low profile, at least in the West. Yeah. Mm. Uh, considering she's, you know, she's been for like DDT Pro, TJPW, she's even had a stint in Stardom as well. Yeah. So it's amazing that not a lot more people know about her because she is good. Um, but some of my per- some of my personal favorites, um, even though in this one uh, she lost, uh, Hikari Noah versus Yuki Kanafuku from Four Five Twenty One. Yeah, uh, was a really really good match over the International Princess title. Uh, also, as well, I believe it was a twenty twenty match of uh, I'd have I. Realize I haven't put down, I haven't written down the exact date, but uh, huh. Shoko Nakajima versus uh, versus Kamiyu Yukamafuku as well. Yes, uh, was was a whole bunch of fun. Um, and then also for one of the people that are kind of, well, she's more in their tag, she's more in their tag area within her unit, but um, Rika Tatsumi versus Miyu Watanabe uh, from February this year. I think it was eleventh of February this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, really fun little match with two people that are kind of not traditionally seen as like you know the big people to watch. I mean, Rika Tatsumi is definitely a main eventer for them, but uh, yeah. it's a it's a really cool little match, and it's just something a little bit different. And of course, Hyper Masao versus Jun Kasai, who's become a cult hero within TJPW, and multiple TJPW wrestlers even now want to wrestle him before he retires. <laughs> And it's crazy when you think of that Junkasai, yes, the the mad looking deathmatch wrestler. Deathmatch legend Princess Joshi are on either end of the spectrum. <laughs> and somehow they're meeting in the middle. That's impressive. Just recently, DDT Pro, baby. <laughs> uh, just uh, we talk about that, but just recently Makiito teamed with Atsushi Onita, so there we go. Because well, yeah, then, then she teamed with Atsushi Onita, and then it was Hikari Noah that was on the other side yeah. in the electri- electrified bob electrified bobbed wire baseball bat death match. Jesus. Which I think uh, I think has one of the best gifts I think I've ever seen this year of Makiito yeah. swinging that bat and exploding. <laughs> <laughs> but my goodness no that is a whole range of just a little bit it's barely scratching the surface of tjpw but now i guess the final question i want to say to someone like uh, a casual fan or even to reardon who has a very like surface level knowledge of tjpw what do you think would you go are you going to go out of your way to kind of watch a match here and there you know what it sounds ridiculous, which sounds like my kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. There we go. And that is it's a good always one. That. It's that's the best way to end this one. Our guide to Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Not the greatest, most not, not the most concise or expansive guide, but we hope we at least the ever little bit 
giving you a little bit of curiosity into the promotion and go out of your way to watch it. So cool. So cool. Um, and probably, as I said, steal my promotion of the year this year. <laughs> so, gentlemen. Oh, this is this is going to be a really cool thing. Uh, very excited for what's going to be coming up next month. Um, uh, we're going to be doing... Uh, well, in celebration of Mexican Heritage Month, we are going to be doing an entire month dedicated to Lucha Libre. Hell yeah, we are. Lucha, Hell yeah, Lucha. we are. So excited <laughs> oh, really? for this. Because I've, I've said in past, I don't have a very um, advanced, uh, expansive knowledge of Lucha Libre. And I'm really excited yeah. to sit down and to really research. I, wanna, I really want to really learn more. <laughs> Although... Yeah. One big part of it is language barrier. I need to get better at that. <laughs> and, and accessibility as well, because it's very yeah. hard to come by a lot of Mexican Lucha Libre footage. Uh, fortunately, YouTube <laughs> has been kind of a, a massive help into getting that sort of thing. Uh, funnily enough, yeah, most AAA of the Mexican... aren't exactly helping themselves exactly. right now. Exactly. I mean, unfortunately, I was able to see a lot of Lionheart Chris Jericho's stuff as Corazon de Leon uh, in, uh, in CMML uh, uh, through YouTube. So, yeah. Fortunately, we have a lot of that, but I'm really excited yeah. to sit down and expand my knowledge. And man, I've 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 really put kicked myself for for the first uh, for the first week because we're going to be doing a retrospective on the man, the myth, the legend, El Santo. Hell yeah! The man to which some is lucha libre. <laughs> yes. Yes, not known probably by a wider audience of wrestling fans, probably in the America, in America and Europe, but this man is legendary. Like this, this, this wrestler is a pop culture icon in Mexico. He supersedes wrestling, I dare say, in Mexico. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is yeah, absolutely. this is how this is this is how like pressured I put myself in because I realised oh crap, <laughs> oh crap! I've given myself got a lot to go through. I'm the biggest see, I, one. Yeah, I know. See, this is a guy so big, even I know his name, and I'm like, oh, you got so much research to do. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So I'm going to talk about early life, probably uh, pro career. And I will dabble, yes, I will even dabble into the expansive movie career of El Santo. Because as I always said before, we were like, should we do a thing about El Santo movies? Like, we're going to be here for nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll give I'll give myself some leeway. I have to. Yes. <laughs> but until then, I'm really excited to do this. I'm really excited to do this. And I hope we can uh, we can give it justice as well for Mexican Heritage Month. For sure. Yeah. But until then, until next week, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon. And this has been the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. We will see you as ever on the next one. Now we're off to do our uh, choreographed dance moves and uh, music number. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.